and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm gl- welcome back thank to the you. show. You've been on assignment for a couple weeks now. Uh, thank you to Scott and to Angie for, um, for, for being on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously while you were gone, I thought about you a lot. I missed you. Oh, um, but I thought about you in particular at one point mm. and so much so that I even texted you all the way. Yes. In, I got in, a couple, in, in a couple Scotland. people really uh, notified me of this. Yeah. Yes. Well, so there were, it started out, there were reports that Jonah Hill was in talks to join Matt Reeves, uh, Batman movie. Starring and Robert Pattinson. Starring Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Pattinson as he's called now. Mm. Um, and so at first you started some speculation. A lot of people said the penguin, right? Which I think don't, I feel like those people don't know that Jonah Hill is thin now, <laughs> um, or I don't know, thinner, but thinner. Okay, <laughs> that sounds mean. <laughs> well, to him. I, I hate to say it, he's not you know Jim Parsons or something like that. Right. Like yeah, yeah, um, he's not Jim Rash. Uh, there you go. Um, but then uh, I can't remember who first. I saw it on Clyde. I'm not sure who first reported it, but uh, some. Um, pretty serious rumors that the the role that he's talking about is uh, is the riddler that, yeah. that jonah hill may be playing the riddler this could all be, turn out to be nothing sure uh jonah hill may be playing the riddler in matt reeves batman movie um and yeah you're the first person i thought of and i and i texted you uh, and you had so you had already heard about it before i texted you uh yeah i think somebody had had tweeted uh, at me but um oh, okay so do you happen to did you happen to say i haven't looked into it um have you seen what people's reactions have been no to that no okay i can want to know i can imagine what they would be which is what negative um here's yeah you mean like when people didn't think michael keaton could be batman or didn't think Heath ledger could be the joker like i think it's get over it i think it's a little closer honestly to when people get frustrated that you cast like a, a an African American actor in a traditionally white role, I think it's closer. Again, this is I don't know. Uh, if, what, I don't what's know if, the difference? Along with Joker, uh-huh. Riddler is a very skinny huh. character. Like, look at like I don't know. This guy here is pretty beefy. Well, that's because he's a stuffed animal, um, <laughs> or he's a plush plush doll. Okay. Um, but like, that's the thing is, Riddler is associated with like a skin tight suit or the nice three piece suit. Huh. But like, if you look at the one right there from the Adventures yeah, of yeah. Batman and Robin, like that is a skinny Riddler. When you think of Jim Carrey, that's a skinny Riddler. Uh, in some cases, you'll see him as, as a little bit muscle-bound, but for the most part, he's associated with being very, very skinny. Okay? He, for example, okay. people have asked me in the past, uh, would I ever dress as the Riddler to go to Comic-Con? My answer is always, I'm not thin enough. Oh. Okay. No, I don't like that. Because you're saying anyone who's not thin can't be the Riddler? So here's what I'll say. Um, when I first heard, heard that that uh, Jonah Hill was going to play the Riddler, my thought was like... Which is still not substantial. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, 
my first thought was like, was like, well, I know he's lost weight, but I know that he's not necessarily the body type. Um, and here's the thing. I'm not trying to insult. Here's in but fact, also, no, quite the opposite is, I, I, I guess this is in a way I hadn't thought about this. This is like the question mm-hmm. of, of race is just because a character has always been portrayed in a certain way. Is that actually crucial to the character? I don't think, I don't, I don't think the Riddler being read thin is crucial. Like his thing is he's, he's smart and he's insecure about not being as smart as he thinks he is. That's sure. kind of his thing. Um, I think that Jonah Hill could do that. Yeah, no question about. It. Well, and here's so here's kind of where I landed. Um, the first thing I thought of was that that story about Comic Con. It's not even a story, but like that interaction I had about Comic Con, where I was like, "Well, I can't do that because I'm I don't fit that," mm-hmm. and not to necessarily associate weight with race or gender because a person cannot. Uh, determine what race or gender they are. Whereas, you know, I have made bad choices in my, I, I, I'll speak for me. For you personally. Yeah. For some me people personally. Have, yeah. yeah some, it's a, gene a glandular thing. Glandular, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, all these words. But uh, I know that a number of people would probably be like, oh, you, you can't equate those two things because, uh, you know, and it's like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, But, but for the purposes of this argument, we're talking this, about the things they have in common, not the things yes. they don't. Um, and so my first thought was, I don't know, it, 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 it led to an awareness of, it's going to sound weird, but like my own general self-loathing at my own body. Um, huh. Because uh, I tend to eat when I'm stressed, and it's been a stressful couple of years, so I've put on like 20 pounds that I hate myself for tremendously. Um, and I realized that like, in, in my own way, and please don't think that I'm saying more than I am, but in my own way, I realized like, oh, that this must be what it feels like for like uh, a young, like African-American kid to say like, oh, I want to be Captain America. Uh, and then maybe thinking to themselves like, yeah, but I don't look like him. And like my favorite character, like one of my favorite characters, I have reminders of him all over my office uh, is someone that I feel like I could never emulate because I'm too fat, you know? Uh, And so I had this. So like. The, the, this, this weird, is not where I thought this conversation sorry. was going. No, uh, it, you shouldn't be sorry, just, but it think, is making me very sad. Uh, sure. <laughs> me talking about myself for any length of time will make anybody sad. <laughs> um, but uh, but what I, where it led to was actually something a little po- vaguely positive, which was this realization of like, yeah, anybody can play any character, no one by... I mean, I'm sure there are certain characters like where it's their gender race or body type is imperative to who they are as a character. You know, Bane, for example, is not going to be, sure. Um, DJ Qualls isn't going to be playing. <laughs> Bane. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I'm sure it is, it is imperative for, for certain characters and certain, uh, and, and who they are and what they look like. But, um, but I had this thought, it's like, if in fact Jonah Hill gets cast, I'm sure there will be a lot of people that have a problem with it, but I, I certainly have enough faith in him as an actor to bring 
not merely like the kind of insecurity and brilliance, but I think he could really bring a sense of instability and menace. Like when I think of him in something like Wolf of Wall Street, um, and, but then also something like Moneyball, like he can play really intelligent and also mm-hmm. be like, I don't know what he's going to do next. He can be very unpredictable, which I think for a character like the Riddler or any kind of uh, mentally unstable character in the Batman universe. I feel like Jonah Hill could absolutely do it. And if my own potential objection is that like, well, he's the wrong body type and he happens to have a body type that's that, that is in common with me. Um, the idea of him playing the Riddler and just sort of strangely enough, like opening that up, uh, the idea, cause people have been talking about gender, people have been talking about race, but the idea of body type and that, Oh, this person's maybe too skinny or this person's too overweight or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, but do they work for the character? Like, um, what is the name? Cameron Britton, uh, who plays Ed Kemper on Mindhunter. He's actually a, a much beefier guy than, Ed Kemper was like, who was actually pretty thin, but, and so when you're looking at, and Hollywood often goes the opposite, they'll cast a skinnier, uh, and, and, you know, more attractive actor, even if they're playing a monster. Um, and so the idea of like, yeah, whoever fits the character and whoever has a passion for the character, um, yeah, that like so many people have been talking about like, Oh, Eddie Redmayne could play the Riddler. It's like, yeah, I guess he fits the body type and I'm sure he could play the character in a perfectly fine way. But the idea of Jonah Hill being, uh, feeling passionate about passionate enough about the character to play him gets me very excited for mm-hmm. him. And it just got me thinking about like the stuff that I myself have come to accept about characters, uh, especially a character that I myself really love. Um, And uh, so the idea of him playing it was a little bit, for lack of a better term, liberating for me, both in how I approach any characters, but also any other characters, but also how I approach maybe myself. Um, So anyway, that's I, I when people tweeted at me and when you texted me, I'm sure this is not what they had in mind, this discussion. But uh, but it's it's where my mind went. All right. Well, yeah, that's not what I expected. I, I think it'll be fine. I don't know. <laughs> um, the only Matt Reeves movie I've seen is uh, Cloverfield, and I didn't like it. So, uh, mm. But people tell me that he's made good movies since then. Yeah, his, um, his uh, Apes movies are solid. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. Next thing I want to talk about is okay. TweakedAudio.com. Oh, wait. Fuck. Actually, first, we have oh, yeah. a postcard from a listener. Okay. I've, I've been holding on to it for weeks because of wanting us to be together. Um, <laughs> like Stan and Eminem. <laughs> do, um, <laughs> uh, do you remember a long time ago, uh, me and Cole, uh, this came more from Cole than for me, that he once said that like he had a list of phrases that he wanted to be able to use organically in life. Uh-huh. And one of them was saying, and I'm sure you can picture Cole saying, he's like, just being like, I just want to be with you um, <laughs> um, and he wanted yeah. to get to a place where he could say that without uh actively trying to say it um what is the movie is it the kids are all right where uh when the 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 lesbian couple is like in the middle of a fight and one mm-hmm. of, uh, one of them is like talking to her friend and her friend very sort of pretentiously with no self-awareness goes 
go to her. <laughs> is that what that is? Uh, I think about it all the time. I think it's the kids are all right. I don't remember it from that. Uh, go to her. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, Yes, uh, our friend Peter, who sends us postcards from all over the country, sent us a postcard from Astoria, Oregon. Okay. It's got the Atomic Motel on the cover. Um, a great place to stay, dot, 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 and have fun. Um, <laughs> Bad like, ellipsis speaks yeah. volumes. That's very Tarantino, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, so he, uh, you know, uh, I, I mentioned this briefly on the on the uh, movie journal uh, a few days ago, uh, and I'm realizing that he wasn't, suggesting we do an, e- an episode on uh straight to vod he uh, he was asking for a top of show commentary about it mm-hmm. which is not what we call that right that's what he called it a top of show commentary what do we call it i think we just say a top of the show topic or top of the show discussion I think, well off mic we refer to it as something for the top yeah that's that is true. what we say yeah do you have something for the top yeah that's true yeah, weird peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he says, whenever I surf to Netflix, I'm constantly made by the by the careers of Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, John Travolta, Steven Seagal, etc. Um, and he got was thinking about non-theatrical releases. Well, Peter, we talked about it a little bit in the movie journal. Indeed. Uh, thank you for this excellent postcard from the Atomic uh, Motel. Um, you don't say whether or not you stayed there, and if you did stay there, whether or not you dot, 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 had fun. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Peter. Sorry, now I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds and a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors that look great, they sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, this uh, Today I was listening to, uh, as you know, I got to, when there's new music from the Mountain Goats, I listen to new music from the Mountain Goats, and they released uh, uh, a, uh, a single off of their new upcoming album um, in uh, a, a previously on her b-side called get high and listen to the cure uh which definitely uh speaks to some part of me and it sounded great in my tweaked audio.com ear, ear, tweaked audio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweaked audio.com uh, if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweaked audio.com and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. David, I'm looking at this postcard. Yeah? All right. From Peter. Thank you, Peter. And <laughs> thank you, Peter. <laughs> um, now, what you didn't mention okay. is that the Atomic Motel has a marquee. Okay. And on it... With no exclamation point, it simply says, we're fun. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I bet they are. I'm, they're starting to convince me. I know. I have no doubt. They keep but insisting I, that they're fun. Yeah. Do you ever... Oh, this would be... There's no... There's no video component to okay. this. But my wife and I have both talked about... We, have, we almost do this now. We're so used to looking at pictures on our phone mm. that I will be looking at a physical picture and go... <laughs> or almost want to zoom in. Like, I was trying to see... 
what is, what is the sign? I think it's a vacancy sign next to it, but mm-hmm. I was for a second I was like, I got to zoom in on that and realized, no, I can't do that. I will say uh, it's not that. It hasn't gotten to that, thankfully, but um, uh, for many years I was a photo editor, and uh. so the ability to like manipulate images very quickly um, is something that I, st- I still have that instinct. So like I'll be looking at a like an image online uh, and I want to get, I want to zoom in. And so just I'll use like my keystrokes oh. uh, within Photoshop and I'll do that. I'm like, why isn't it work? Oh, right. <laughs> Cause I'm not actually doing that job that I stopped doing several years ago. Wow. It's still with you. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what else is still with you. What's that? The, the wind, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, I don't know. Rain. The rain. The whiskey. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The feel of Scotland mm-hmm. is probably still with you. The yeah. jet lag is still with you. That is still with me, yes. Um, and so we are going to do an episode about movies set in Scotland. Indeed. Um, now, I did uh, something I don't normally do. Normally, when we do this sort of things, are like, like what Scott and I did last week. Um, just like, I just make a list. Sure. Not in any order. This time, I decided to put it in chronological order. Oh, fun. From okay. the year, year the movies came out. Because that was something I, that I find, I often find myself, when we do these, like, let's let's come up with a talk, topic and come yeah. up with a bunch of movies that fit that topic. Um, uh, I find myself leaning towards the more recent stuff. So mm-hmm. I intentionally tried to find some older stuff. Real quick, people who follow me on Twitter uh, uh, know this, but we did an episode on birthday movies last week. Mm-hmm. Our movies with notable birthday scenes. And somehow... I forgot to mention signs and oh, signs yeah. has one of my favorite birthday scenes uh, ever because it is in no way would you expect out of a birthday yeah. scene, but it's, it's very clearly scene. a birthday party. Yeah. The first time you see uh, the alien and do you like, I think about signs a lot. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix, like not being able to stop looking at the news on the TV and even like mm-hmm. hiding and looking at in the closet. Isn't that like, that really sort of anticipated what we all are now, mm-hmm. like constantly looking for updates. It's been oh, both yes. because the technology allows us to constantly have it there, but also because we've all, or at least not, at least most of us have become news junkies or political news junkies just yeah. because of what's going on in the country. Yeah. And so, uh, I, yeah, I think about how crazy Joaquin Phoenix is acting in that movie and think, ah, that's kind of how we all act now all the time. Well, and I do wonder, I don't know if the timeline works out. I don't know when, uh, when they started shooting the film or when M night Shyamalan actually wrote it, but there's a real nine 11 feel to that. The idea of just like, yeah, I'm watching always, always waiting for the next, yeah. s- just snippet of information. Yeah. I remember, yeah, when my nine eleven story uh, is, I was at work. I worked at a nursing home, mm-hmm. and it was a somewhat new nursing home, meaning that half the building wasn't open yet. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't done decorating and everything, whatever. But uh, they had like the rec room for the other half of the building, and it had TVs in it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we're on the one end where normal thing is, you know, my was working in, uh, the kitchen and serving food and we're serving food, uh, to a lot of people who were sick or have Alzheimer's and they're not paying attention to the news necessarily. Mm. But we had, um, 
the TV on on the other side of the, the em- this empty nursing home essentially yeah. had a TV in the conference room and every employee would be like, if they had, if you had a spare minute, you yeah. would go there to watch the new all, all day on September 11th. Uh, yeah, you just, I had forgotten about, you reminded me, reminded me of that story because it's exactly who yeah. I was. I was walking Phoenix in signs, like and just constantly checking yeah. the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know how you, if you ordered your list in any particular um, way. It, it usually turns out that like the top of the list is the stuff that I think of immediately. Like, and so I try to keep it that way. Um, and then I do a little bit of research and then I just kind of go, uh, and then in this case, I, it's, you know, I have a primary list of about 10 or 12 movies here that absolutely take place in Scotland. And then I have two movies that are, were shot in Scotland and they're never, it's never said that it's not, but it also isn't necessarily, but it is, I don't know. It's uh, we'll, we'll get there. So should I just, should I steer the ship here and go chronologically? Yeah. Okay. Um, and we're going to get through the first, you know, seven decades of film pretty quick. Sure. Uh, it's, it's still definitely weighted towards the nineties and on. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've just seen more stuff. Yes. Anyway, but the earliest one I thought, which I had forgot, cause it's been so long since I've seen this, I'd forgotten how much of it takes place in Scotland. It's 1935, the 39 steps. Uh, yeah, as I was doing the research, I haven't seen the film in a long time, and I did not remember that it took place in Scotland. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it starts in, in London, but the clues sort of lead to Scotland, and that's yeah. where uh, I, I think the majority of the film takes place. Yes. Um, I didn't have time to rewatch it for this. Right. Uh, we, I have so much other stuff to watch. Yeah. It's already end of year crunch time, by the way. I know. Um, I just realized, it's like, not only because I took this trip, like September has flown by for me, mm-hmm. but I realized like, Oh, not only is it no longer August, it's almost October. Yeah. And I was like, and I need to catch up on yeah. a lot of shit. Yeah. We got to do that. Yeah. All right. Um, so the 39 steps. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much to say about it. I remember really liking that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but next chronologically, uh, is a movie that was one of the first ones I thought of, and that's mm-hmm. 1945's I Know Where I'm Going. Yes. Uh, you That was on your list, I imagine, too, because mm-hmm. I know you're a big fan of... of um, um, Powell and Pressburger. Uh, Powell and Pressburger, yeah. No. So what do you have to say uh, about it? it? Just that... Okay. So a lot of what I will say is going to be couched in my own experience of Scotland now. Um, and... So we we were in Glasgow uh, for the first few days and kind of walked around there. And day two, I got a kidney stone, uh, so that okay. kind of that laid me up a little bit. And then I got another one on day four. So when we went to Glencoe, I was not able to go on the hike. Not that I would have enjoyed it in the first place, but uh, oh. yeah. No, uh, no fun. But at this point I've got, that's why it's great that your wife is a photographer because she can go on a hike and she can just capture the part that is worthwhile about the hike is the view or whatever. She can just capture that for you and you get to without any of the living hell of hiking. Um, Uh, I've come to like hiking because I'm becoming a dork. Um, but, uh, I've never had a kidney stone. Thank God. It's, I had my first kidney stone when I was, 20. I remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know you did. Uh, 
because no, I didn't know what was happening. I yeah. only knew I wanted to rip something out of my body. Oh. Um, it was horrible. Uh, but once you have one, you immediately know when you have another, and you also know what needs to happen in order to keep to manage the pain. And so that, so like the pain only lasted for about thirty minutes while I waited for the many, many, many. Uh, ibuprofen that I took, um, to take effect. Uh, and then it's like, okay, I'm just going to sleep for a while. Um, but anyway, so we were in Glasgow and then we went to, uh, and very quickly we went into like the Highlands. Uh, and so, um, we stayed in a number of smaller towns. And so when I think of, I know where I'm going, I tend to think of, Hills and you mentioned wind, like yeah, that's even, what even I the, think. Of. Even the cover uh, of the of the like the poster or the Blu-ray right. or whatever it is, like I think of of her like in profile with like wind sweeping yeah. over her hair. Because I know I know where I'm going takes place. Um, a lot of it takes place on like I guess an aisle, an aisle. Yeah, yeah. And aisles, there are right? many of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's what I think. As much as when I think of. When I picture Scotland, I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when I picture Scotland, um, I picture, yeah, hills and and uh, and grass and stuff. And there's plenty of that in. I know where I'm. No, I know where I'm going. But that's also rocks and wind. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a weirdly like there's something uh, foreboding about that picture of Scotland, and yet also otherworldly in an enticing way at the same time. So. Seven years ago, Jen and I went to New Zealand, and New Zealand and Scotland have very similar terrains. Uh, you know, the idea of just like these big rolling hills, but also just like just rocks in the middle of it, and you know these beautiful mountains and stuff. But just because you have the same kind of terrain doesn't mean it feels the same. All right. And granted, I went at different times of the year, but when I went to New Zealand, it was sunny, but not too hot. And it just, everything just felt very beautiful and majestic as opposed to Scotland, which absolutely had this foreboding. And I don't say that in a negative way, just from an atmosphere standpoint, like it just felt like hard, like, like to live here certainly in like the old days, but really at all to live here will harden you as a person (laughs) because the elements, um, are difficult to deal with. Um, you know, when Jen and I got our, uh, taxi from the airport to our hotel in Glasgow, the guy said, he's like, what is it? He said, there are two things to remember. I don't remember what one of them was, but the other, (laughs) yeah, but the one that he really hit was a kidney stone. Damn it. <laughs> I wish I'd remembered that. Uh, one of the things he goes, he goes, I'm not going to do an accent. Cause, uh, if, if you'd caught me while I was in Scotland, I probably could have done a pretty good accent, but now it has faded. But he said, he goes, one thing to keep in mind, it rains all the time. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, all right. And, uh, he was uh, right in a lot of ways. Wow. And so, yeah, when I think of, I know where I'm going, I do think there's more of a romanticism to it. Um, but it does feel like this woman is being sort of tested, uh, in many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there is a romanticism to it. I mean, it's kind of oh, a no question. romance, right? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's one of those movies that when I think about it, I remember, like how I feel about the aisle and how it looks and feels, but I don't actually remember much of the story of the movie. Like she's, yeah, 
Wait, she falls in love with a guy who's like a rich guy. I, I believe so. Yeah. Something like that. Um, one thing and, that I will. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to move on to the next. This, this, this changes the subject a little bit. Um, because, and I'm jumping, uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead too much. Uh, you continue and then I'll get, I'll come back to this. Well, the other movie from 1945 that, that I wanted to mention, and this, we're very clear on the, t- the title of the, okay, sorry. I, I keep having thoughts and interrupting myself. Okay. One thing that's very notable about both the 39 steps and I know where I'm going, especially for sort of studio ish films of that era mm-hmm. is how much location photography sure. they actually shot in Scotland. But the name of this episode is not movies that were shot in Scotland. It's movies that take place in Scotland. Yes. So even if they never went anywhere near. And so, um, this is a movie that shot probably entirely on almost entirely on sound stages, maybe in London. Um, but uh, that I saw only recently and reviewed the Blu-ray for the site, Robert Wise's the body snatcher, which is oh. a movie in which Boris Karloff plays. Uh, it's, so it's, Interestingly, it's not a movie that's based on the Burke and Hare murders, mm. which were actual murders in Edinburgh, uh, where these two guys, Burke and Hare, their job was to collect corpses for doctors to do experiments on, and they decided to cut out the middleman and start killing people and mm. giving. It's a true, yeah, true story. And so any Burke and Hare movie, of which there have been a couple, take, yeah. take place in Edinburgh. But Body Snatchers is a fictional movie that takes place in the wake of Burke and Hare, where Boris Karloff is basically a character who is inspired by Burke and Hare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful, you know, Robert Wise is great. It's a beautiful movie. Um, uh, but it was not actually shot in 19th century Edinburgh. Right. <laughs> As you can imagine, it was shot on sound stages uh, a little bit, maybe out in the, in the countryside, but I'm not sure if they ever went to Scotland, but it is a very good movie. Um, okay. So what's, what's next? Well, then I jumped to the fifties. Okay. Um, in which, and how did I leave off? I, this one from the 50s made me realize that I left one off in the 90s. But the 1950s, uh, and this is also, this is maybe on this, when you said you ordered yours by things you immediately think of, mm-hmm. this was, I'm sure for some people, maybe people a little bit older than us, this might be on the first level of things you think of. Sure. This is on the second level for me, and that's Brigadoon. Uh, which I've never seen. Um, oh, I've seen it. I've seen the movie, and I've seen it on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cheesy. Uh, okay. Um, but it's very much this sort of like romanticized, almost like Ren Faire version of, mm. of, of small town Scotland because of Brigadoon. Do you know the premise of Brigadoon? I don't. Oh, um, anyway, uh, I know I'm gonna put a pin, pin in this. Okay. So the, the premise of Brigadoon is that it takes place in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and to, uh, I think they're American, so like hiking, they're visiting Scotland, they're hiking, you know, they don't have kidney stones or anything. Um, I and, can't relate to this. <laughs> and they come upon a town that seems to have been untouched from like the 1700s or mm-hmm. whatever. And it turns out it's a magical town that only appears every 10 years. Hmm. And each be- between, it's only been a day each time. So like, wow, I really did not know that. Yeah. It's a magical thing. So like they can, they only spend a day in this town and then they have to decide like, cause the guy falls in love with a Scottish girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to decide like the guy has to decide, like if I stay here, I'm saying goodbye to my, my life outside. I can't visit my life for another 10 years. And even then only for a day, hmm. uh, or do I leave and not be able to see, this woman that I've fallen in love with for another 10 years in which it will only have been a day for her. Anyway, that's the premise. That's a good premise. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a cheesy movie, um, and a cheesy play, but, uh, yeah, it's not bad. 
Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so it's you've got even though it takes place, it's a weird thing because it takes place in modern day Scotland, mm-hmm. but most of the movie takes place in you know merry old picture storybook yeah, like type outside of, of time. Uh, yeah, which again, like it in a way, a story like that feels. I'm not going to act as though I'm any kind of expert, but now that I have been there, like anytime you go to a place, any artistic relationship you had to that place, you can either be like, all right, I can now confirm or deny. Yeah. And something like that, the idea of, of a quaint little town that has this magical quality to it, um, that exists outside of the modern era that is very i mean in many ways you could say that's just kind of european in general but like i've been to other countries in europe and like there is something about scotland which has such a connection to its past and its past as like i don't mean to insult anybody from scotland i don't mean to like reduce and say quaint but the idea of like these friendly little villages um it just, it feels very right. Uh, one of the places that we went to, uh, was called like the fairy Glen and it's just this natural formation, uh, that is just, it just has a, 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 a magical feel to it, a very, but like a very benevolent magical feel to it, you know, whimsical in many ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like that type of story feels like, yes, it could probably take place in any number of, of other countries, but it does feel very right for Scotland as I experienced it. Uh, all right. Now we're going to jump ahead 32 years (laughs) to, I don't know if this is for you top of mind. It was for me, even though it's a very dumb movie Highlander. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) This is one of the first movies I thought of, uh, in which you've got, um, you've got uh, a French actor playing a Scotsman and a Scottish actor playing a Spaniard. Yep. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. Good call. Whoever directed Highlander. Uh, Why can't I remember who directed Highlander? Anyway, um, Uh, there's probably a reason for that. It's yeah. Highlander was a movie that I feel like there was, by the time I knew of it, there were already multiple sequels and there was a TV series. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, Highlander must be this iconic movie. Mm -hmm. And I watched it and I was like, no, this is dumb. But Clancy Brown is great. Clancy Brown is great. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great bad guy. That's and, the, really the only thing that I take away from that movie. I do remember that uh, Siskel and Eber, when they made their list of like the worst movies of the year, uh, they also they they listed the sequel, and they also said it also has the distinction of having one of the dumbest titles, which is Highlander Two: The Quickening. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. No, I, heard that. I don't remember that. Yeah. I'm saying that, but I remember that, that was the name of it. I've never yeah. seen. I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah, and I remember as a kid watching the TV series, just because I didn't have cable as a kid, and it would be yeah. like because it was a syndicated. It was like Xena or Hercules or whatever mm-hmm. those. It was on in the middle of the day sometimes. So I remember watching yeah. those and being interested by the idea of uh, people cutting head, heads off. No, more about the immortal mortality. Yeah. You know, it's one of my favorite things about watching like uh, Buffy episodes is they could do like flashbacks to World War Two and like yeah, you could have the same, some of the same the, the vampire. You know, they're the same actors and everything. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, neat. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a friend in high school who loved all things Highlander and uh, in retrospect I should have judged him more it's weird the things that like 
and I guess it was more common to make, well, I guess we just talked, that was on the movie journal. We mentioned Jarhead four, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, think about like, uh, Stargate. There's, there's one oh, yeah. Stargate movie mm-hmm. and then there are multiple series. Like how yeah. many, okay. So there was SG one. Yeah. Atlantis. Okay. I didn't know that. Oh, Atlantis was, that's, I know SG one. That's, that's what I know. Oh, but then you're missing. There was also the very short lived, like post Battlestar Galactica, like gritty one with oh, Robert sure. Carlyle, which was called Stargate universe. I think Robert Carlyle. Really? Yeah. Huh. Speaking of Scotland. Um, and then God, I want to, I, I'm pretty sure there was an animated Stargate animated series as well. All based on one dumb Roland Emmerich. Like a movie yeah, that a movie is that, not very good. Like I, I think it's entirely possible for people to have watched the Stargate TV shows and never watch the movie. <laughs> they, it, Buffy. And similarly, um, yeah. you know, like, well, I mean, that's a case where the creator of the TV show openly right. disavows most of the, yeah, or not dis- Yeah. He's not happy with the movie, the movie. No. And, uh, like it's, he made, he, what's fascinating about Buffy, and we'll get back to the topic mm-hmm. is that it is a sequel to Joss Whedon's original script for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it references things that yeah. didn't happen in the movie as like part of her backstory. That's exhausting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, a, it's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Not only do you not have to have seen the Buffy movie to watch the TV show, it's probably better if you don't. Yeah. But yeah. I did watch that movie. I, I, when it was a new release on VHS, my brother and I watched it. And it's got, it's got a few things to recommend yeah. And Most of them, you've got Rudger Hauer as the bad guy, Paul Rubens, you've got Donald Sutherland as the, um, Obi-Wan. Yeah. And yeah, you've got Paul Rubens. Yeah. Uh, and you've also got, uh, uh, Luke Perry, rest in peace, uh, David Arquette. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Christy Swanson. Turn who else is in it. Is, oh, isn't Ben Affleck in it? I don't remember, but I do remember like the reason that, uh, that I mentioned Paul Rubens is there is a line from the film that has stayed with me. And it's a a line that pops into my head every once in a while. And I don't remember it's from that movie. And then I look it up. I'm like, Oh, it's from Buffy. And it's Paul Rubens saying, uh, kill him a lot. Uh, and that and his ridiculous death scene. Yeah. Yeah. Here's uh, Ben Affleck in the Buffy movie. Uh, Yeah. That's about right. Very young. (laughs) <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's just a silly ben affleck making a funny face oh we all love ben affleck um all, all right, right so let's what's, get back to, what's next for you did you have anything else to say about highlander or did no you just you wanted to use it as a jumping off point to talk about stargate for some reason sure uh so next up for me is 1994 which has two i only have one written down but it has two because i forgot until i said the word brigadoon out loud mm. about four weddings and a funeral in which um uh simon Callow, is that his Callow, name? Callow, yeah. No, not Simon Cowell. Correct. Simon Callow. Um, one of the, you've never, still never seen Four Weddings? Is no, that I right? saw it, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. One of the weddings, Andy McDowell's character's wedding, um, um, is, uh, is in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And Simon Callow's character sort of like jovially, drunkenly says, it's bloody Brigadoon. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, Four Weddings and a Funeral is not, most of that does not take place in Scotland, but the one, uh, the one part does the one part that is the part of the movie that has the most Americans in it hmm. because Annie McDowell is American. Yeah. And so all of her half of the wedding, wedding guests are Americans. That's where Scarlett meets her big strapping, like not Christopher Reeve. <laughs> he looks like Christopher Reeve, but he's not, 
Um, I've clearly seen Forwardings and Funeral more times. I saw it probably like have. 15 years ago. Yeah, I've seen it. I liked it. I, it's in the top five most watched movies of all time for me, uh, so I know it pretty well. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you've got, but then um, uh, obviously John Hanna's character is Scottish yes. uh, the whole time, mm. not just when he's in Scotland. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I hadn't originally written down Four Weddings and a Funeral because uh, until I said the word Brigadoon out loud. But the other one from 1994 is Shallow Grave. Yes. Uh, which is, and I haven't seen it in so long that I can't remember if it's Edinburgh. Or uh, I, it, I think it's Glasgow. It might actually. be Glasgow. I get them confused because uh, I've never been to either. Now, before we uh, move on, uh, I, I did miss out on one okay. uh, from the 40s, but it's also been done many times, which is Macbeth. Oh yeah, you know what? Because I had the only Macbeth movie that I've seen, not counting Scotland, PA, uh, is yeah. the 2015 one. So I had Macbeth in 2015. Oh okay, I've never seen Orson Welles's Macbeth. Uh, I, or, I love it. I'm assuming there's a Laurence Olivier Macbeth. Not that I'm aware no? of. Okay, um, but uh, there's a, Polanski made a Macbeth in the 70s as well, um, but which I haven't seen. But I have seen uh, Orson Welles and. It takes place in Scotland. It's shot completely on a soundstage, um, but it's uh, it's wonderful. And he insisted on everyone doing a Scottish accent, which was not a common practice at the time. People did it with a more proper British accent, mm. uh, but he insisted on that. Uh, and it makes a difference. Honestly, um, I've seen Macbeth uh, on stage and people just did a standard British accent. Uh, but it's like uh, having gone to a number of like castles and hearing history about Macbeth and Malcolm and all that. Um, and just the t- I mean, of course, every country's history is blood soaked, but there's something particularly brutally blood soaked about Scotland's history. Um, yeah, we'll and, get to that pretty soon. Huh. Yeah. And so the idea of uh, Macbeth, like it just like, yeah, this is how it should sound. It's how it, it's I don't know if I don't know if Shakespeare himself uh, intended it to be said uh, in the Scottish accent. But uh, but Wells was really committed to it. And it's a visually gorgeous film and very haunting. He really plays up the it feels very not stagey, but definitely inspired by the stage a uh, stage version of it. Um, and, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. I really okay. love his Macbeth. Um, but back to shallow grave, so. shallow grave, which, uh, obviously I saw train spotting first, but we're going chronologically yeah. shallow grave is Danny Boyle's first feature, right? Is that right? Is that his first? Um, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and it definitely sticks out, uh, in that it, it feels like, I mean, Danny Boyle, I think is a great director. Um, but Shallow feels like a, a better version of a lot of other nineties independent movies, except mm-hmm. that it is in some ways so specifically Scottish, yeah. you know, um, uh, uh, in like the, the, the color palette, obviously all the actors or the characters are, are, are Scottish, but there's also, um, and I can't remember what it is. There had some sort of like fancy dress affair or whatever. Right. And the men, Christopher Eccleston and Hugh McGregor are wearing kilts. Like they're wearing like dinner jackets and, and kilts. And it's not like there are no American movies at least not at, in the nineties in which a character is wearing a kilt where it isn't a joke. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that point. And so it was the first time that I saw like, oh, this is really, this really is just part of that, that culture. It is. I saw yeah. quite a few kilts, uh, when I was in Scotland. Um, and it, it was fairly, I mean, certainly there was no snowfall or anything like that, but it was fairly chilly. Uh, and so it's interesting to me to not, uh, to have somebody wear a kilt because it's like air is just getting everywhere, uh, in that situation. Yeah. Um, but what's are interesting, are they allowed to wear leggings? I'm sure they are. Uh, but it's, uh, it's interesting that you use the word allow because as I was, you know, learning various things about Scotland while I was there, one of the things that I learned is that there was a time when you were not allowed to wear kilts. Like it, it was, kilts were uniquely Scottish and Scottish. And so, um, the British said like, no, that's not how we're going to do this. And so men had to wear long pants. And so when, when Scotland, when like the Scottish started to like really embrace their heritage, like the kilt became a huge thing. In fact, like there was a famous Scottish poet who wrote all about kilts and the importance of them. Uh, and so, that's great. so I do think that there's, to a certain extent, like, uh, I don't know if this is true. This is only my uh, hypothesis um, that uh, I'm sure it's very comfortable in many ways, but I also feel like, like it, it. it's such a function of their of the national identity. Like, it's something that you literally that admittedly many hundreds of years ago, the another country said you're not allowed to wear this so of course there's a certain defiance there a certain don't tread on me ness yeah. of wearing a kilt uh well um just the next year we got kilts of plenty here in america because we had sort of like a dante's peak volcano <laughs> uh deep impact armageddon deep impact armageddon yeah. Yeah. um and then the joke from uh the joke from is it from knocked up when Jay Rochelle says uh, Panda Express, Yoshinoya people. Exactly. Uh, which is racist. Because um, <laughs> one's Japanese and one's Chinese. Yeah. And I said them in the opposite order. But um, no, in 1995, we Americans were blessed with Braveheart and Rob Roy. Indeed. Two very bloody Scottish movies, very violent yes. movies. Um, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, Braveheart, I think, takes the case cake for quantity of yes. gore um but uh rob roy does have in quantity of everything yeah i yeah. would say rob roy doesn't does tim roth get like cut in half in, Not rob in roy? half the sword doesn't make it all the way through right, okay. it stops at about here okay uh yeah that's pretty gross yeah um uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I remember liking Braveheart a lot at the time. Like I think I was at the mm -hmm. right age too, and I haven't revisited it in forever. I don't I, know how I'd feel about it now. I watched it, uh, on more than one lesson. We were going through the best pictures, uh, okay. many years ago. And so I rewatched it for that. And, you know, it goes back to kind of that standard thing that like, there's all kinds of, you know, I don't, I don't really use the word problematic, but there are some definite problematic elements to it and it's not the smartest movie out there but son of a bitch mel gibson makes a very watchable movie yeah that's um, kind of how i feel like i would feel about it and he's and he is also just a very watchable and magnetic 
lead. Like he can carry, he carries that movie and he does it quite well. Um, and there are a lot of other good, uh, Patrick McGoon, um, and Angus McFadden, McFadden, pardon me. Um, a lot of good performances there. Ian Bannon as, uh, McFadden's, um, father who has like leprosy and stuff. Um, yeah, I haven't seen so, this in a long time. Yeah. Like great performances all around. And it just, and it definitely, I mean, both of those movies, as I guess probably any movie about Scottish history is going to be about defiance. Um, but it's a very different type of, of defiance in Rob Roy and uh, Braveheart. Braveheart is a very active, violent kind of defiance and understandably so. Whereas the defiance in Rob Roy is more principled and more in a way you could watch and be like, no, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? Why are you holding to this? And this is before like any of the rape or anything like that, but essentially it's the character of Rob Roy, like gets, take, gets a loan from this British nobleman played, I believe by John Hurt. Um, but then John Hurt's thugs, uh, intercept the money and steal it Mm. for themselves. And they don't tell anybody obviously. Um, and then, so the Rob Roy character never gets it. And so, uh, John Hurt accuses him of saying that it was stolen, uh, so that he could, you know, anyway, but Rob Roy says like, no, uh, I never received it. And so I would like to ask for, uh, another loan. And I'm like, no, what are you kidding me? Like, I realize that on principle, you know, you didn't steal it, uh-huh. but how do you not realize this, how this looks? <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you lost. I'm sorry to put it that way. But again, to go back to this idea of like Scottish defiance and, and this idea of like, no, we are like, men of integrity and honesty and I know the truth. And so I'm just going to operate as though everybody is looking for the truth. Um, and so, uh, and I do, I actually feel like as epic as Braveheart is, um, I think Rob Roy actually really embraces like the majesty, like the sweeping, uh, vistas of Scotland more than Braveheart. Like, I don't think of, I think of like muddy, battlegrounds when I think of Braveheart and the occasional castle. Whereas like Rob Roy, I I think of again, like these huge shots of like these, this hilly and beautiful air, uh, world. Um, maybe this is too simplistic. Okay. But Mel Gibson director of Braveheart, not Scottish. Correct. Michael Caton Jones director of Rob Roy, Scottish. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe it's as simple as that. Probably. Yeah. Um, like I think he's probably trying to capture and he is telling a, a classic story, you know, and so is Mel Gibson. But I feel like Mel Gibson's like, okay, I've got a story to tell about this guy and his battles. Whereas I think, uh, there's more of a, a general sense of like lore to the story of Rob Roy, not to imply there isn't to William Wallace, but, uh, but I feel like, you know, if you're telling us here, if you were to tell a story about, you know, not to suggest that Rob Roy is the equivalent of Paul Bunyan, but, you know, Paul Bunyan versus <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, you know, both of them are Paul Bunyan uh, versus Abraham Lincoln. That's right. <laughs> what do you think? Who's going to get cut in half with that one? <laughs> uh, well, I obviously Abraham Lincoln, Paul Bunyan is bigger and he has an ax. Right. So that was an easy, um, Oh, you get George Washington involved though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, he tags him in. Uh, but I just mean to say that like, you know, both of them are like these big figures, but one is mythic and the other is important. Uh, and so if you were to make movie, a movie about either one of them, like the one that's mythic is probably going to engage a little bit more in like Americana, I think. And so along those lines, I feel like Rob Roy has that more than okay. uh, Braveheart. Well, um, I love Rob Roy, by the way, there are things I haven't seen it in so long. I remember finding it starting cause yeah, it's Jessica Lange, right? Mm-hmm. Who gets raped very pretty early on. Fair, fair, probably like 40 minutes in, but yeah. Okay. Um, and that, yeah, that put a bad is... taste in my mouth. And I think I found so much of the, maybe I should watch it again, but I found so much, much of it like unpleasant to watch culminating in, yeah, that grisly death, uh, yeah. that upsets me. Um, yeah, I think I was just too, uh, uh, I don't know. I was, uh, the whole, the whole thing is very melodramatic, uh, in, in, I think probably a good way. And one could say it's also kind of lusty in a lot of ways, not just like Rob Roy and his, and his wife, but also just Tim Roth and his general attitude, uh, mm-hmm. towards the world. Um, and everything, it just, again, it just feels very, uh, not necessarily operatic, but I'll, I'll stick with, with melodramatic. Um, and yeah, that rape scene is, it's not necessarily graphic, but it also is not, I just don't think it's shot right. I don't think it's shot from the right perspective. Hmm. It's shot more from Tim Ross perspective and not enough from Jessica Lang's. Right. Um, so it's more the yeah. perpetrator and, and not the victim. Um, yeah. we still feel for her obviously. And her performance is really good, but it's like, I don't think they approached it right. Yeah. It certainly would, would have been done differently today. I think. Yeah. Um, all right. So then in 1996, Scotland, Scotland fever continued because train spotting was a huge, sure. Uh, hit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a hit, huge hit with me also being like four weddings and a funeral. One of the most watched movies ever for yeah. me. I've seen it many, many, many times. Uh, now that one's Edinburgh, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and wait, you were in Glasgow where you were in Edinburgh? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, did you visit any of the, did you visit the worst toilet in Scotland? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, I, I found, uh, most of the restrooms in Scotland in general to be, uh, quite nice. That's nice. Um, yeah, but again, uh, it's, it's weird to sandwich these two Danny Boyle movies, mm-hmm. m- modern movies that take place, you know, cello grave. They're like, they're yuppies, but they're still like, they're not rich. Mm-hmm. And then you've got old world, beautiful old world Scotland. And yeah. then train spotting, which is modern or actually I've, I don't I think train spotting is supposed to take place in the 1980s. I think that's one of those, like it, it's hard to know from a fashion sense, but it does look like more eighties fashions, but who knows? Like, yeah. But then the novel very, explicitly takes place in the 1980s. Yeah. So that's, so I think that's that it does, but, uh, yeah, it's close enough that it doesn't matter really. Um, and that's a very, so it's like competing visions of Scotland, this beautiful mm-hmm. place with these, you know, windswept, uh, hills and, and shit or yeah, just junkies living in filth. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it couldn't be more, more different. Um, the author of the book is it Irvine, Irvin, Irvin, Irvin Welsh. Yeah. Uh, he is Scottish, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he also, the movie filth, uh, also I think takes place. Uh, yeah. I never saw filth. I read, but I did read the novel, okay. um, which didn't make me want to watch the movie cause it's a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, uh, as, as Wayne Campbell would say, not just a clever name. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but I never saw that one. That's not Danny Boyle. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember who directed that movie. Neither do I. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, and so I have not seen Train Spotting in a long time, but I will say that, you know, uh, <laughs> when you're an American tourist checking out uh, Edinburgh, um, you're not really seeing the train spotting world, (laughs) you know, uh, you're seeing the touristy, uh, nicely cleaned up world. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure that there are people that actually, you know, that live there that even if they're not heroin, hopeless heroin addicts, uh, they can relate a lot more to that movie than the Scotland that I experienced. Right. Okay, um, let's move ahead. You'd stop me if I'm skipping over anything that you uh, that you have. 1996 also saw Breaking the Waves, uh, which is a right. movie that I have seen and didn't uh, didn't remember was Scotland until I was re- researching for this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a uh, it's technically a modern day like small working class town Scotland, but in that sort of large frontier way, it seems to be more of a very dark fairy tale than sure. than reality. Have you seen? Breaking I have Waves? not. It's uh, it's very good and incredibly depressing. Uh, yeah, I, I have no doubt. Uh, but back to Glasgow to nineteen ninety nine. Um, uh, Lynn Ramsey's Ratcatcher, which I have not seen. That's which, as I was look putting this list together, yeah. I was like, oh, that's one I need. That's a blind spot. Yeah, well, well we skipped the sixties and seventies because I hadn't seen any. But Ratcatcher takes place in. Uh, I think it's. I can't remember if it's the, if it's the 60s or 70s. I know it's, mm. there's talk of the moon. So it's around the moon landing. Like okay. it's clearly, cause there is like a fantasy sequence where a, uh, a mouse that gets, because yeah, people are cruel. It's boys are cruel to animals in this movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, a kid steals another kid's pet mouse and ties it to a balloon and lets it float away. It's Aww. yeah, it's, very upsetting but then we get a fantasy sequence where the mouse floats all the way up to the moon and gets to live on the moon with a whole bunch of other mice (laughs) and uh it's very it's very cute um anyway so that's why i think of the moon landing that's why i think it's sometime around around there but yeah Mm -hmm. uh rat catcher i still think is lynn ramsey's best film Mm -hmm. um i've been i've fallen a little bit out of love with her work Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people loved you were never really here uh, I, I, I couldn't really get into it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love Ratcatcher. Um, okay. 2001. Okay. Unless you're, uh, it, I don't remember what year dog soldiers came out. Oh yeah. Uh, that must've been, been around 2001. Right around there. Yeah, yeah. I never saw it. Um, but yeah, that takes place, uh, in the Scottish Highlands. Um, I do love that movie. Um, and, it, I mean, it takes place in that in that area, and so the characters are like running around in the woods for a, a good portion of the film. Um, but I don't. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember much beyond that. So the only reason I mentioned the year two thousand one is because even though I don't think they ever say so in the movies, it is canon that Hogwarts is in Scotland. Okay, so this brings us to this other stuff. Yes. Okay. Um, Which is what? What other stuff? Uh, places that I visited. You visited Hogwarts? No, but I did visit the viaduct that the Hogwarts Express goes over. Okay. Um, I was right there. I also, and this is a lesser known spot, but 
so like when we went to the viaduct, we were there amongst many, many other people. Uh, but when we visited the Wamping Willow, it knocked those stones right out of me. Um, no, it's uh, uh, Dumbledore's uh, burial site. Oh. Which is that island. Uh, spoiler. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's it okay. did occur to me that I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but that's... That book came out in 2007? Yeah. No, 2005. Before, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the book came out in 2005. So, wow. yeah. And then the movie, the Half-Blood Prince was what? What year was that? The, the movie? 2009? Nine, maybe? That sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy to think about. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, he's buried on that island, and so we couldn't get to the island, but we were able to see it, and uh, and it's crazy uh, to to see these locations, and uh, invariably, like, when you see them in real life, you immediately are like, well, of course, of course they shot something there. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It really does stick with you. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, a lot of fun. All right. Um, and then we rode on the train that was sort of the inspiration for Hogwarts express. And then when we were in, uh, uh, Edinburgh, we walked on Victoria street, which it's debated uh, how much of an inspiration it was, but uh, certainly the shops there are willing to say that they that this section of the street was the inspiration for Diagon Alley. All right, uh, I was trying to look up something else, but uh, having some internet problems. So, move on. Two thousand two, Ken Loach's Sweet Sixteen, which is um, a movie that I mostly remember, is very good. Like a lot of Ken, Ken Loach movies, and we'll get to another one in a little bit. Uh, is depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about um, very poor people and sort of um, young poor people, young teenage boys sort of being driven to lives of crime by their circumstances. And it's very sad. But the thing that I most remember remember about Sweet 16 is it was the first time is very rare, but it was the first time that I ever saw a movie that was ostensibly in English, English that required subtitles. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, and um, I was very glad for the subtitles mm-hmm. in 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 Sweet Sixteen. I feel like my my I've seen enough movies now um, that my ear is a little bit adjusted, and maybe I could have picked out more because I know when I saw a few years ago when I saw Kess, which is an even right. older um, uh, movie, I kept trying not to read the subtitles, trying to figure out. Yeah. And I did okay. Um, but yeah, Sweet 16 is a movie that definitely, I am very glad that there were subtitles. While I was in Scotland, there were a couple people that we encountered where I was like, oh my gosh, I wish this person had subtitles. Um, but then it goes the other way too. Um, my friend Scott noted that uh, he used the word warm uh, and the person that he was saying it to did not understand what he was saying. And so mm. then he said, warm, like he, he rolled his R a little bit and oh. the person's like, Oh, wow. which was, and that happened, I believe on a couple of occasions. And so it got to the point that there were certain things that he would say. And then I kind of took it as well. Um, where you say, uh, sort of a rolled R like, um, there are a couple moments where I said like, Saudi, um, and wow. yeah. Wow. So like it's, I don't think of 
the R's that we say, I don't think of them as soft R's, but the fact that you don't roll them uh, seem to uh, throw a couple of uh, of the locals. Um, okay. Also in 2002, um, Lynn Ramsey's next film, Morvan Caller, uh, starring Smith & Morton. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. Uh, also depressing. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, jumping ahead of 2004, and sometimes, you know, I like doing this research mm-hmm. and coming up with movies like, oh, yeah. I forgot that that was Scotland. Hellboy. The, oh, uh, yeah. the whole initial, like, World War II, like the portal to hell or whatever yeah. that he comes out of is in Scotland. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So did I until I, that's a, that's on. a, that's a deep cut. Good job. Yeah. Uh, and then this one, despite the word Scotland being in the name, very little of the movie actually takes place in Scotland, but that's the last King of Scotland. Very little of it. Takes but place. some of it yeah. does. I, I went back and yeah. I read like a plot description to make sure like we do see some of him in Scotland, right? We yeah. Ma- like McAvoy's backstory. Essentially. We yeah. see some of that. Yeah. Uh, 2010, the animated movie, the illusionist. Yeah. Uh, He's in, takes uh, place Edinburgh. in Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, which I read today cause it's, you know, it was based on an unproduced Jacques Tati mm-hmm. film. And he, I guess, in his screenplay, it was supposed to be uh, what was then called Czechoslovakia, hmm. apparently. And it was changed to Edinburgh. I don't know why. Well, maybe because Czechoslovakia didn't exist anymore at that time. I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was changed to Edinburgh. Uh, but that, that's a very good movie. I never saw the other illusionist the earlier one I did that does not take place in Scotland okay um, I don't remember where it takes place but it's not you know hey there's another one of those things it came out the same year as the prestige these old time oh, yeah. magic yeah. movies that's another yes. Armageddon deep impact situation yeah they're all over the place yeah um, yeah all right um, 2012 I've got a couple for 2012. I've got three, actually. Okay. Because I think one is the other, another Ken Loach one you haven't seen, which is The Angel's Share. Right, yes, I haven't uh, seen that. Which is, I feel like, not a great movie, but might be, not that I know, but might be a good Scotland movie, because not only is it, you know, does it take place, uh, I think mostly, like, the characters from Edinburgh, but then they go out into the country, because it's also a whiskey movie. The, oh sure. The angel, the term the angels share refers to when you let your whiskey age in the barrel or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you uncork it, because of evaporation, there's less than there was when you sealed it up. Sure. And that what's disappeared is referred to as the angel share. They, mm. they, the angels took their share of the of the whiskey. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what the term comes from. Uh, the movie is it's really two movies in one. The first half is like a. Uh, you know, a, uh, a gritty social realist type sweet 16. And the second half is like this weird corny Goonies ish heist movie where they're basically a bunch of these poor Edinburgh kids. The one of them sort of find, he discovers that he has an incredible nose and tongue for, for whiskey. And so Mm -hmm. he becomes like a whiskey enthusiast, but he's still like this poor kid. So he gets his friends to steal a bunch of super rare whiskey. Hmm. Uh, and so that, yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's not great. It's uneven, but I had a uh, few sips of whiskey while I was in, uh, did you, I did. I don't think I've ever seen you drink before. Yeah. Well, I don't do it very often. Uh, and I've never had like a complete drink. Uh, hang on. Is that true? That might not be true. Um, but yeah, uh, we went, my, my friend Scott is a big whiskey fan. And so we went to, uh, some distilleries yeah, I would want to do that and, too. uh, and so like they offered to, he said like, do you want to, uh, sip? I was like, sure. What the hell? And I sipped it and 
you know, obviously there's like the initial burning, but like the aftertaste is really nice. And so it's just like, oh yeah, that's not bad. I see the appeal. I don't think it's something I would engage in very often. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, I wanted to be a little bit adventurous. Uh, I ate a couple of things that, uh, I hated, just hated. Did you I don't eat, remember what they were. I did you eat haggis? I did not have any okay. haggis. I did eat haggis flavored chips hated those i'll bet so I'll bet you did yeah did you have a scotch egg no okay. i did not all right um, what are some of the i did i tried a number oh we went to a very very nice restaurant uh and it was also very expensive and so there was like a tasting menu and so i tried every almost everything yeah and uh unsurprisingly didn't like most of it that's interesting that you're the you I guess because you were with other people. Because mm-hmm. you're the less adventurous eater of the two of us. Oh, yes. And I, when Natalie and I go on vacations, we have no interest in doing expensive restaurants. That's not a part of tourism <laughs> yeah. for us. Scott and Tracy, right. who we were with, they are very, uh, they're foodies, I would say. Uh, so that's important to them. And I, I enjoy a nice meal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I also tried uh, sticky toffee pudding uh, at, at a couple different restaurants. One, it's one of the best desserts I ever had. Hmm. The other, the texture was a little off for me. Uh, see, but I, I do want to try. I do want to eat food when I travel. But I'm more interested in like, like we went to we went to Berlin last year, and I was like, I'm going to eat some currywurst, which is just like a street food like yes sure. i guess street food is what is yeah. what i uh, what i eat and currywurst is very good and very cute because it comes with a little mini fork <laughs> uh, um, uh and then but i didn't actually eat very much german food mm-hmm. in germany because i was in berlin and they have a lot of like there's a lot of like kebab and falafel and toast mm-hmm. stuff like that and that's uh but we went to prague for a couple of days um and i did eat more czech food <laughs> in two days in prague than i did in like a week in, <laughs> in Berlin because they have like, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's German food too, like schnitzel where it's like sure. super thin breaded. Fr- it's so, so fucking good. Anyway, uh, back to 2012. I bet I can okay. guess what your two are. Okay. One of them is brave. Correct. Um, is the other one Prometheus? I do have Prometheus here. Oh, okay. But, uh, that's one where it's not a hundred percent like it's shot it there because it's, it's hard to know if it actually took place there okay because um, I, I, yeah i i couldn't remember either so i looked it up because i saw that the same general location where they shot prometheus um uh snow white and the huntsman i think yeah shot there but it's clearly not supposed to be because yeah. it's a magical fairyland or whatever but i did think that the the sort of prologue, right, of Prometheus yeah. is supposed to be Scotland. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, and that's the thing is, I don't know if it's supposed to be. It's shot in Scotland. I just don't know if it's supposed to be there because it's like again primordial kind of thing. Um, but uh, like the prologue, where like the 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 big w- guy like drinks the thing and then no, but I mean dissolves. like where we first meet Numirapas and. Um, not Tom Hardy. Right. Logan Marshall Green. I oh, know okay. his name. Good for you. <laughs> um, you're a better man than I. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, that I don't remember where it took place. But, yeah. I, mean, I think I guess, that's supposed to be Scott. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, uh, um, what was your other one? And then should we uh, talk about Sky, Brave at Skyfall. All? Skyfall, uh, which you have not seen, right? No. Uh, it, uh, Never client, seen a Daniel Craig Bond. That's unfortunate. Um, 
Never Casino seen, Royale is great. I haven't seen Quantum of Solace. Heard it was bad. I've actually, by the way, I've also never seen a George <laughs> Lazenby, Roger Moore, or Timothy Dalton Pond movie either. Wow. I've seen five Conneries. Okay. And I've seen three Brosnans. I saw Golden three Brosnans, yeah. Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The World's Not Enough. I did yeah. not see that in the day. Neither did I. Um, and I saw, let's see if I can name the first five in order Sean Connery movies. Okay. Dr. No, obviously, is the first one. Right. Then From Russia With Love. I believe so. Then Goldfinger. Then Thunderball. Then For Your Eyes Only. I don't know if that's the order. Sure. And then okay. he was in uh, Never Say Never Again. But that's... But he was also in Diamonds of Forever, like, which is... Oh, okay. Uh, uh, an official one. Never Say Never Again is not. Not. Yes. Yeah. For reasons that Kyle Anderson explained to me once, and I wasn't able to follow it. Wait. Did I say Fear Your Eyes Only? Yeah. It's, you only live twice, right? Oh, I don't know. And Fear Your Eyes Only is Roger Moore? Ugh. I should know this stuff. Should you? I guess. <laughs> I remember uh, Dennis Miller had that one delightful thing where he was... He, he started talking about like his favorite Bond movie and goes, he goes, never say diamonds forever again, finger. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice uh, delivery. Um, okay. But uh, no, Skyfall, it, you go back to like James Bond's childhood home. Skyfall is like the name of like the, the, the land that okay. he lived on. And so, and Albert Finney plays uh, like his, his uh, caretaker and so and he's doing a scottish accent and so uh and yeah and it, it's very dreary and it's very hilly and the the mansion that he lived in looks very much like a castle and uh and i did have skyfall in mind as i was as i was looking at some of the landscape of of uh the scottish highlands and it really fit but also yeah brave obviously takes place uh in scotland and brave is maybe a little bit more colorful than the Scotland that I experienced. Uh, I think of, I don't love brave, but I think visually, I like a lot. visually I love it. I think it's amazing. And it also has that sort of Brigadoon thing of like Scotland is a magical place. There's magic yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and which I guess Macbeth has too, cause there's witches and exactly. Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and bear, would you, you say it? And bears. Oh, I thought you did your, the R rolling thing. Bears. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was sorry. Okay. It's you only live twice, not for your eyes only. Okay. Um, and then, oh yeah, I forgot. So it's a weird thing where it goes, you only live twice with Connery. Mm-hmm. Then on her Majesty's secret service with George Lazenby. Right. Then Connery came back for yeah. diamonds are forever. And then I guess live and let die is the first Roger Moore. Is that right? I think so. Um, and for your eyes only, is that the first Timothy Dalton then? I thought Dalton was, Oh good Lord. Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. He's licensed to, to kill view, and living kill daylights and living daylights and licensed to kill. Oh, okay. okay so fear is only is still Roger Moore. Then <laughs> this seems like easier to look up than it appears right now. Yeah. It's hard to do multiple things at once. Okay. Um, but anyway, the reason I really wanted to make sure I was right and I was wrong when I said for your eyes only and meant you only live twice is because that one's notable for, uh, Donald Pleasance being the, sure. the villain. Anyway, one of many people to play uh, Blofeld. Yeah. Um, and Thunderball is notable for the Tom Jones theme song, Thunderball, which is great. I can't place it. Um, uh, it's Imagine Tom Jones singing the word Thunderball. You pretty much got it. <laughs> 
All right, so that's 2012. Uh, then I jumped to 2015, which is where the Justin Kurzel Macbeth comes. Oh. Well, um, 2014 is Under the Skin, which, I never which saw. takes. Oh, oh my gosh, I forgot that. You would love it. You would love it oh, so okay. much. Okay. Uh, it takes place in Glasgow. Well, sorry, not all of it, but a good portion of it okay. uh, takes place in Glasgow. Um, and uh, again, it's it's you, it's like the Glasgow nightlife, um, and uh, just this this character played by Scarlett Johansson, just sort of looking for whom she can prey upon, and all of that. Um, but yeah, I didn't see the 2015 Macbeth. I didn't hear great things, even though it had a, a solid cast. I was not a fan, but um, the sort of unofficial third chair of this podcast at her large Scott and I mm-hmm. does like, does like the movie. So okay. I don't know is, is, I mean, who, plays, your who plays uh lady Macbeth? Uh, it's Marion Cotillard. Oh, right. I feel like the two are the two of them at least good. I guess. Yeah. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. All right. I guess um, they're good, but I mean, they're, yeah, they're saying Shakespeare. Uh, the other one from 2015 though, uh, and this is one that I, um, had forgotten there were flashbacks the movie because this is a movie that takes place in america okay but there are scottish characters in it and i forgot there were flashbacks that take place in scotland that's slow west the, oh which the I western uh i do think you would like slow west i think i would too. it's an oddball uh uh western that yeah. i um mostly enjoyed um directed by one of the guys from the beta band i think which is weird <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> um, it's weird yeah um and then i just have two from last year Okay, and I can't think of what they are. Uh, well, one is the uh, unofficial sequel to Braveheart, Outlaw King, directed by David McKenzie. Right. Although um, they are making Braveheart 2. Yeah, this is not an unofficial sequel. That follows uh, Robert the Bruce. Well, that's what this is. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris Pine um, plays him, I think, right? Uh, I, yeah. did, I didn't like Outlaw King, so um, forgive me if I've forgotten some of it. I'm not... I tend not to hold much in my mind about movies that I didn't care for. Uh, That's probably a good way to live. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, Chris Pine plays Robert the, the Bruce. Uh, uh, Stephen Delane plays um, Edward the First, and then Edward the Second. Although he's not known as such in the film because mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't. <laughs> Stephen Delane dies at the end of Outlaw King, so ah. we never really see him as Edward the Second. But uh, Billy Howell is the actor. But that's uh, going back to Braveheart. One of the main things that I think back on now um, is the homophobia, the way oh, that yes. Edward the Second is is portrayed. Um, uh, that even though I it probably didn't really register to me when I was a kid. Even just thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, that was gross. There's some that's when I think of that character, uh-huh. I arrive at the young prince from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, that's, that's a com- but that's a comedy. That's not <laughs> how Billy Howell portrays him right. at all. He's just a a villain. There's not really any his sexuality doesn't yeah. come up because they're he spent the movie is mostly about horses getting impaled. It's like two hours and 20 minutes long. <laughs> and it feels like they, someone figured out someone at their like post visual effects house figured out how to really convincingly impale horses. And it just went to town because <laughs> the, the movie is really upset. It's, it's so violent. It's like guys, we've won half the battle already. Yeah. Outlaw King is so violent. And the one you're forgetting from last year from okay. 2018, because it's just one section, but it's very clearly Edinburgh. Okay. Avengers Infinity War. That's where uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch oh, are hiding that's out. Right. And that's where they have the big fight. That's where I think we first see Captain America. 
Is yes. that right? Okay. Is, is yeah. in Edinburgh? Uh, yeah, my friend Scott, like uh, the train station where that yeah. where that fight uh, happens, he, he pointed it out to me. Um, yeah, of course. And I, I need to rewatch... Uh, at some point in the near future, Jen is working her way through the Mar- the MCU, oh, okay. and uh, she'll get to Infinity War probably in I don't know two years, um, and then I'll rewatch it and be yeah, like, "Hey, we were her. there." Good luck. I mean, good luck to her. Um, I, I haven't I haven't seen a lot of them, but uh, I've weirdly seen Infinity War like three times because I loved it. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Um, and then didn't care for Endgame. It's weird. You liked Endgame, but I just I didn't. Infinity War is by far the better film. Um, Endgame has enough to it that I enjoyed it. Because here's the thing, I think, because I, I hesitated for, uh, until Endgame was almost coming out, I didn't want to rewatch Infinity War because what happened is the movie ends, the, the ending of Infinity War is rightfully so such a bummer yeah. that I was like, oh, I don't want to put myself through that again. And then you watch it and you realize like, oh yeah, that's just the last five minutes. Yeah. Most of this movie is a blast. Like yeah. Infinity War is so much fun. Yeah. Um, and that was my problem with Endgame is it was just, it felt so, it, I, I think I used the word waterlogged in my review because it was just so dour the whole time to me. Which is understandable. Yeah, um, but I, I guess if I'm not, because I'm not, I, mean, I guess it was just on me, but if I'm not a person who has invested 10 years, 11 years at that point in my life True. in the MCU, uh, anyway, but there's that one scene uh, in Infinity War, takes place in Edinburgh, it says Edinburgh, real big on the screen, yeah. and then there's a sign in the window of a shop that's closed that says, we will deep fry your haggis. Um, <laughs> right? Isn't that what it says? I don't remember. Cause you've only seen but it, it almost sounds now. like a threat. I'll deep fry your haggis. Um, so, no, we uh, will deep fry your kebab. Sorry. Fuck. We will deep fry your kebab is what it says. Okay. Uh, apparently, ah, there it is. Uh, and there's Scarlet Witch next to the sign, not noticing it, not noticing the, cause haggis is fried, right? Oh, I don't know. I imagine it probably is. Uh, frying seems to be a thing that uh, Scotland is known for. Uh, f- uh, deep fried uh, Mars bars seems to be a, a dessert that they enjoy. Um, no, haggis is boiled, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think that was supposed to be. I read uh, after seeing Infinity War. I read that's supposed to be the joke. Is that the I will deep fry your kebab thing? Is that? That's a thing in Scotland that everyone deep fries everything. That's about right. Uh, except haggis, apparently. Makes me want to go there. Um, that was, that's the thing that makes me want to go there. I could see that. <laughs> All the deep frying. As if, as if it's so hard to come by deep fried <laughs> foods in America. Yeah, just go to a state fair and you'll be fine. I was just at the county fair. And they had, my wife really wanted to try, but we couldn't, she had read online that some stands had this and we didn't actually see it anywhere, but deep fried Uncrustables. Do you know that? Oh those yeah. Sna- they're little oh, like yeah. peanut butter and jelly, po- like bread pods. Yeah. Uh, and apparently they were deep frying <laughs> those, but we couldn't find them there. Oh man. That's very specific. Uh, I, well, that's the thing. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel because this, this like novelty deep frying at fairs thing has been yeah. going on for like over a decade at this point. They're running out of shit. I remember a Simpsons where uh, they went to like a state fair and as they're driving back, uh, Homer's shirt is like Brown. And he goes, he said, he goes, you see Marge, I told you they could deep fry my shirt. And he goes, and then she goes, I didn't say they couldn't. I said, you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, there is one, one film that I wanted to mention where it doesn't, 
they never say it takes place in Scotland, but they definitely shot in Scotland. Okay. Um, and that is uh, the 1973 Wicker Man, um, which is, okay. you know, officially it's Summer Isle, but it was shot on uh, the island of Skye, the Isle of Skye, pardon me, uh, which we spent a significant amount of time uh, at. And it's a, I mean, I totally understand Prometheus stuff was too. Yeah. Like you totally get like, Oh, we need something that seems very removed and foreign, even within this country. Uh, and Isle of Sky is just, uh, it's just fascinating. It's, it's very beautiful. Um, I, I did go on a hike there and the, it was raining. I was, mo- I was mostly miserable. Um, but it is still a very beautiful place. Uh, and you just, as you're driving along and you see like a one house here, one house there, and you can only get to it by way of like a ferry. Um, I think there is like one bridge somewhere and you just wonder like how, what is, what is life like here? Uh, how, what does it look like to live here? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think Wicker Man, I don't think they ever say it takes okay. place on, on Isle of Sky. I think it's given an, another name, but that is definitely where they, where they shoot it. Uh, and it seems heavily inspired by Isle of Sky. And it speaks to this idea, not that there is any real magic or, or even supernatural goings on in, uh, the Wicker Man, but this idea of like this cult that is, that really plays up like nature and a relationship to nature and that sort of thing, again, seems very heavily inspired by, uh, Isle of Sky. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm all the more looking forward to someday going to Scotland. Never been. It was, Um, it was a really good trip. I really liked, uh, I really liked going there. It was, uh, you know, the, the way that Jen and I are, traveling right now with our friends scott and tracy uh there's going to be there are four total trips each one of us gets a trip uh so tracy took us to asia which involved japan uh, south korea china hong kong um scott picked scotland and not for that reason (laughs) um obviously i'm going to thailand um but uh but no jen wants to go to uh south africa and then my trip which will be in a few years is either going to be germany or russia probably russia i'm definitely leaning towards russia very cool but uh but yeah and that's the thing is so nothing against scotland but it's not a place that i was that interested in um which is why the way we do these trips is so important yeah that's very cool uh, is that it just takes you to a place that it's like well this is where we're going and suddenly you find these little aspects of it that you really love. How did you choose the order? Uh, well, it was actually, it was going to be the order should officially is Tracy, Scott, me, Jen. And it's based on who turns 40. Uh, and so Tracy turned 40 a couple years ago. Scott turns 40 this year. Uh, I turned 40 in a few years, but then Jen and I turned 40 the same year. And so, uh, but then I, told Jen that she could have her trip first and then mine would be last. Okay. And, uh, that's the plan. That makes sense. Cause I was like, why did, why is that couple, why do they get dibs? Right. Like yeah. that whole couple. And then like you guys are waiting. It yeah. should have like switched off couple. It should have been ladies first. Sure. One couple, other couple. Yeah. Then the gentleman. Uh, I think it's also that like, 
we're kind of alternating as far as like expense, like Asia, it was a three week trip, fairly expensive. Scotland, not nearly as expensive. Oh. Africa is going to be pretty expensive. Oh, I know. I've looked into oh, uh, flying yeah. to just, I mean, I, yeah, just flying to, to that part of the world is yeah, crazy. It's expensive. crazy. That uh, was the, yeah, we, that was uh, high on my list for this year. And then we're going to Paris because it's a lot cheaper to fly yeah. to Paris. Yeah. Uh, Russia is going to be kind of, kind of in between like Scotland and Asia. Um, hmm. and it, it depends on what we choose to do. Um, it's going to be pretty touristy again. This is several years from now. It's going to be no. pretty touristy like Moscow, St. Petersburg, and then probably going to stop off at the old, uh, Odessa steps in uh, Ukraine. Very cool. So, all right. Um, Thank you. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at Davey Pretension. And this week uh, I reviewed, um, oh, we got all sorts of things that I reviewed up there. We got uh, Takashi Miike's First Love. We got uh, Dan O'Shaughnessy's The Death of Dick Long. We have Abominable. And we have the Fritz Lang Indian epic from uh, the 1950s that is uh, restored and, and playing theatrically and at film form in New York uh, as you hear this. Uh, also on the site this week, we got the Patreon mailbag. Our Patreon, if you want more fascinating insights into yeah. into our opinions on, I don't know, travel and food yeah. um, and, and other things, you can ask us about it on the Mailbag episode, which we do once a month on Patreon for Patreon subscribers. Patreon tiers start as low as $2 uh, a month. And, and you get to hear, you get to support us and you get to hear some more fun content, most of it movie related, but we also do some fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing. Yeah. Movies aren't fun. <laughs> um, uh, also on the website, uh, Alex wrote about, uh, 1989's powwow highway for his criterion prediction. Uh, Jim runner is working his way through being wrong about Abbas Kiristami, uh, with certified <laughs> copy. um, and uh, the the movie meltdown folks uh, went to Dragon Con. That's all on the website this week. Uh, Tyler, you're on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Yes. Uh, anything else you need to plug right now? Well, we've got uh, another uh, another oh, set of yes. com- commentaries uh, coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, they will have already been recorded, but we'll be posting them in the next couple of days. And so here's how this is going to work: if you are a Patreon yes. subscriber. Yeah. All right. At the five or ten dollar level. At the five or ten dollar level. At the two dollar level, you'll get the first one. All right. Uh, but the at the five and ten dollar five and ten dollar level, you can get all the commentaries. Uh, Those are your Patreon episodes for the month. Yes. Because we only have so much time in our lives. Exactly. Uh, but then if you are not a Patreon subscriber, you can still purchase the commentaries. Uh, there, there will be four movies, which we'll talk about in a moment. Four movies, that's $3 each, or you can get all four of them for $10. Um, and so there will be a, a, a banner on the website that you can click and you can, you can uh, purchase the commentaries. Here's what they are. So excited. It's... Uh, I was calling it supernatural horror, but actually it's a bit more religious horror. Yeah, that's what we were going for. Yeah. Uh, You got your Rosemary's Baby. You got your Exorcist. Speaking of, sorry, 
I'm gonna okay. Yeah, I'm gonna live in suspense now for the okay. other two. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I, I do feel a little weird watching Roman Polanski movies. Um, but speaking of going to Paris, a coworker of mine is going to Paris okay. right before Natalie and I are. And this morning he was like, "David, I'm so excited. While we're in Paris." A rainy day in New York is going to be showing there the new Woody Allen movie that does not have U.S. distribution. And my coworker was like, I, "I'm going to get a chance to see the new Woody Allen." And he was like, "It might still be playing when you go. You should, you should, you should go." And I'm like, I'm "Probably not going to do that. Uh, I'm kind of on board with it not being distributed here." Uh, but yeah, so we are watching Roman Plans. There, there is the uh, the appeal of. I get to see something that no one else gets yeah, to see. No, I definitely get that. There is that. I do get that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's Rosemary's Baby. There's The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. There's The Omen, 1976. Uh, so, so far we've hit 68, 68, 73, 76. 76. And then we jump ahead a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> by almost 30 years. No, 40 no, years. Almost 40 almost years. 40 years. Uh, and we go to The Conjuring. 2013's 2013's The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Which, as of this recording, mm-hmm. I have not seen. Uh, I will be watching it oh, good. Um, before before then. Um, so I hope that it's, it is religious horror, you assured me. Yes. Um, but yeah, 2013 mm-hmm. is not that long ago. No. And yet there are already seven movies in the conjuring verse with an eighth coming out next year. Yeah. It is aside from the MCU. It is like the only cinematic universe that has had any real success. There are two conjurings. Mm -hmm. There is a nun. Yeah. There's There's like three or four Annabelle movies. I think I'm doing There's three because there's two conjurings, the nun, the curse of La Llorona, which is a conjuring verse. movie. Oh, I didn't know that. And three Annabelle's. And then you've got conjuring three coming out next year. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. I hope I like it and I just binge them all. It's great. And I've actually heard good things about Conjuring 2, but the first one is just so damn. Whew. It takes a lot out of you, that Conjuring movie. Oh, I can't wait. I think you'll enjoy um, it a lot. But yeah, so uh, if you're interested in those, uh, either as a as a Patreon subscriber or you just want to get them on your own, those will uh, will be available in the next couple of days. So go to battleshipretention.com and uh, and check up on that. Uh, and thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 